0: Welcome to season two of This Truly Is. You know, we had a lot of ideas in mind when we were thinking of topics to cover this season, and truthfully, none of them included a global pandemic. But here we are, and here you are. We appreciate you joining us this season as we explore the impacts of COVID-19 on entrepreneurs, the global economy, and, well, our collective future. In this first episode, Tom and I are going to kick things off and discuss the changes in our personal and professional lives. This truly is the immediate impact of COVID-19 in our lives. Tom, it's been a hot minute.
1: Yep, it has been.
0: Yeah, I'm glad we're doing this again. And uh, what better time to do it than during a global
1: pandemic? We got some free time, right?
0: I will say that quarantine time has actually flown
1: by pretty quickly. I'd say so actually, I mean, all things considered, are you adjusting to this quarantine life? Are you like getting in a vibe or is it still like just weird?
0: You know, it's been what, over a month, month and a half, almost two months of us being in quarantine. And I have been isolating alone. So that at first was kind of an adjustment, but I think in the grand scheme, I've actually done quite well. And I think it's because I'm an only child. So I'm used to kind of doing things on my own, but it does get quite lonely and it's the ebbs and flows. You have days where you're like, yeah, this is the new normal. I'm okay with it. I found my new routine. And then other days or even just moments where I'll have a meltdown because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It's the uncertainty of it all. right? But yeah, I do miss the old life. What about you?
1: It has been weird. But before we get to me, I have a couple more for you. You are a social butterfly. You like to mix it up, meet people, go to conferences, go to events. That's a big part of what your typical day-to-day is like. So I feel like for you, even more so than many other people, this would be a tough adjustment just in terms of being in. So having your lifestyle altered so much, what has that been like?
0: I think a lot of our lifestyles was altered overnight without any planning. It's a shock to the system. So like you said, yeah, I was very busy before all this happened out and about, you know, attending events twice, sometimes three times a day, heading into the office or working from home or going to meetings, whatever it is. And I just kind of became used to that chaotic rhythm. And now I have to say, I don't miss events at all. Why? Right. it it was taking place too frequently. And when you go to events, you always have to be on, you always have to look your best, which is totally fine. But it was that aspect of always being on and always socializing. And as much as I am a social butterfly, I'm also a huge homebody. So like, I mean, part of the event life was like popping in for an hour and then going home. But on social media, it just seems like I'm always out and about, which I guess I kind of was in comparison to a lot of other lifestyles. But I don't miss events at all. I do miss seeing people. I miss that energy exchange, you know? I don't even have a dog or a cat. So I have no one really to talk to at home unless I'm FaceTiming people, which I do all the time. But that adjustment was a little a little tough, I'm not going to lie. But all in all, I don't know. I guess you just find a new routine. Listen, human beings are resilient. We adapt really well to new surroundings and new situations, especially if we keep an open mind. It can happen really quickly. Um, So I've kind of allowed myself to just go with it. I guess it's kind of worked out for the best. But I don't want this to be my forever. Don't get me
1: wrong. It'll pass eventually. Who knows when, but it'll... But you know what else is interesting? I've spoken to a bunch of people, like even with our company, The Influence Agency, there are people that self-identify as being much more introverted and that are definitely homebodies and don't go out as much. And some of them have been like loving it. They're like, I can just kind of wear what I want. I'm comfortable. I get to work... From my home, which I would have wanted to do anyways, and uh, I've spoken to some other people too. That kind of, I guess, at the other end of the spectrum, are just like adapting pretty easily, which is kind of interesting.
0: What about you? Are you adapting?
1: I'm somewhere in between because I'm definitely I'm a people person. I want to get out. I want to do things. I have uh, kind of like a sense that I haven't accomplished anything if I'm just indoors all day and don't go anywhere or do anything. So from that perspective, it's been tough because there's just like stretches of time where I feel like I haven't really done anything. That's sometimes maybe okay. I think something that probably you could relate to when you're on the go so much, sometimes you don't stop and just think about like, where am I spending my time? And how am I spending my time? And why am I doing this? And do I want to be doing this? And we live generally in in normal times in such a fast paced culture where things are just sort of information overload. And it's kind of an impulsive world, constantly checking your phone, constantly being inundated with news and information and media. And it's a really high energy world, especially if you're living in a big city like you and I are here in Toronto. Yeah, I think one of the major benefits of this, at least for me personally, has been an opportunity to slow down and then just sort of like rethink the things that I'm doing and how I'm spending my time. And like I always carry around a to-do list with me. And there were a series of items on that to-do list that just always felt insurmountable. Like I could never find the time to get to them. I could never find the time to tackle some of these things. And over the last month and a half or so, I've really put a dent in in my to-do list. And I've been able to get ahead on a whole bunch of things that I just couldn't before. So yeah, there's definitely some benefits that have come from this. And even though the idea of being stuck at home is so weird and so foreign and bizarre because we are social beings that are intended to be together and work together and collaborate and think and we're social beings that's what humans are that's how we've evolved that's how we've become sort of the dominant species on earth by working together and building things so having that all taken away at once is so weird (laughs) it's just a bizarre thing i think even at this stage of the game i'm still kind of like is this real this is actually happening
0: Yeah, I know. It's all very surreal. Although I will say, though, we have been resilient in the sense that many people, as we've seen on social media, just didn't waste a single second in terms of pivoting and finding new ways to collaborate and to stay connected. I mean, can you imagine this happening outside of the digital age? How would you cope? I mean, I'm a single person living on my own during a pandemic, but I have technology to stay connected with everybody and to keep myself entertained. But without all this, I don't know what I would do. I'd probably give you a completely different answer and I'd probably be beside myself right now. Yeah, I think we're fortunate in that sense. And this whole experience so far has really taught me personally to look at like, just stay focused on the silver linings because there are many of them. And it has really forced me to reevaluate the hustle culture. I mean, we've all been a part of it, really, especially in a metropolis like Toronto. But I was a huge proponent of the hustle culture. And I think it has to do with freelancing and being an entrepreneur. You got to hustle, you got to grind. The mentality is always what's next. And that's in relation to what's your next goal? What's the next mountain to climb? How can we do better? What can we make bigger? And this kind of just forces you to live in the moment. We can't really plan ahead for anything. It's such a day-to-day game right now. So much uncertainty still as we continue this entire process that you really do have to just stick with what you have right now, who you have and what you know, which isn't very much. But you're kind of left to your own devices, which forces you to be creative in a different sense and work at a different pace. And that was a struggle at first, was to operate at a different pace. And I just had to learn to allow myself to do it, and kind of find some kind of bearing, even though I was like, "I'm I'm falling apart here. I have no idea how to pick myself up and work with what I have because I don't know what I have." But you kind of just have to get resourceful and uh, and allow yourself to to move slower than usual, which doesn't mean that it's
1: a bad thing. No, it's actually probably at like the same pace that people and we would have operated in in say like the late nineties or something, like pre everybody having a smartphone. And it's interesting to think that way because like you brought up the idea of how would this pandemic how would it be different if we didn't have the technology that we do have. And it's like, all right, even something as simple as you might naturally think, oh well there's still be, you know, you could watch the news on TV. It's like, well actually most of the newscasters are using the internet to, you know, to host shows from their own homes. They're doing it all online. So actually, I'm not sure you could actually get in a TV studio and like, how would people receive information?
0: Newspapers? It wouldn't be immediate.
1: There's so many hands on newspapers along the, the production and distribution of that. So I don't even know how that would take place. It's like newspapers are still in delivery, but yeah, it's just crazy to think of how different the world would be. You bring up the point about hustle. That is an interesting one because I do think the gig economy, entrepreneurship, working for yourself, that has been like a real prominent thing theme, especially amongst young people over the last three, four, five, six years or so, maybe even a little bit longer, but especially more recently, people trying to take control of their own lives and not trade their time for money quite as much and live on their own terms and all of these things. All of a sudden, boom, pandemic hits, economy tanks, people are laid off and released from their jobs in mass, millions of people forced to go on EI or or find some type of alternative means of staying afloat. What do you think the long-term impact of this will be six months out, a year out, a couple years out? Do you think that people are going to be trying to go more towards, like quote-unquote, safe, more stable, perhaps even more corporate-type jobs? Or do you think people are going to find more creative ways to work for themselves and make their own money? Or will people be scared by that after what's happened here? I
0: mean, it's so hard to tell. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people who are currently in the gig economy, quote-unquote, make their way back into the corporate world. For like you said, that stability, even though stability is not guaranteed, as we've seen with a lot of layoffs. But I think just for the sake of their sanity, it's probably in their mind, worth it for them to kind of trade in, you know, that um, nomadic life for something that seems more secure. But I also really think that we'll see more of a boom in the whole influencer marketing world. Because you're seeing more and more people now just gravitate towards social media, like TikTok, for example, either to waste time, keep themselves entertained, or to start a little something and hopefully have whatever they're doing on social media, pick up traction so that they can become that stay-at-home, self-employed individual through content. So I think there's going to be some people, especially millennials, who might go back to the corporate world, But I think we're going to see this influx in influencer marketing. What do you think?
1: One thing that I think is going to come from this that is going to be hopefully a really good thing, what is the reason why a lot of people gravitated towards the gig economy or freelancing or trying to work for themselves? What was the purpose of that? Autonomy. Yeah, that's it. So certainly like passion is a big part of it, but the autonomy piece is the big one. Working on your own terms, in your own time, being able to live more of a balanced lifestyle, how you see fit. Versus like, sit in the car, sit in traffic, sit at your desk, wait eight hours, get back in your car, sit in traffic, go home, eat, watch TV, rinse, repeat, retire. 35 years later, that was sort of what a lot of people were turned off by this notion of like, being stuck all day long, either in a car or at a desk and not being able to find a little bit more freedom in their work. There's always been a stigma from larger businesses and at a corporate level in terms of working from home, that if people work from home, they're not going to be productive, or that you're going to like really, really miss out on collaboration amongst your people, or that you can't build culture. If everybody is working from home, efficiency will suffer, that you're going to be distracted by the things that are going on around you. And so one thing that I think is really fascinating about this pandemic is it's forcing every company to rethink how they look at working from home because everyone's been forced to do it there's no choice it's just you must work from home and because we've been forced into it and everybody is working from home it's kind of forcing companies to realize that this is possible and work can be done and that people can still collaborate and that the technology exists nowadays where you can do video conferencing and it's like do we really need to be physically present to have that meeting Did we really all need to come from different ends of the city or from even different towns or cities to meet in this location to have that meeting? Or could we have done this over a Zoom call or a Google Hangout or a Skype call or anything else? So I feel like, especially in like near Toronto and then in areas around here and really all over, traffic is so bad. Commuting is so bad. People are spending so much time of their lives getting to and from work, which was a huge deterrent for why people were looking for more balance and looking to find freedom to not have to go into that office every day. So I feel like one huge benefit that could come from this will be every business and then employees re-examining what it means to work from home and that people might end up getting a a little bit more freedom back once things move back a little bit more towards normal. Like maybe when we are all allowed to go back to work, unless you're somebody that must be physically present. Maybe you won't have to be as much, so maybe that's a good thing.
0: I agree. Well, I mean, here's a question for you: as a business owner, and your agency employs what over 20 people, would you say that working from home has affected the team's productivity? Has it changed the morale in any way? Have you seen benefits
1: to this whole flip side? So we always did have a working from home policy that that people were allowed to do that. So I think that. We were always open to it for sure. I think what this has forced us to do, like I was mentioning with everybody really, is open up your mind to the idea of it happening more often or for people just actually working remotely. Like six months ago, there was no way we would bring on a new member of the team if they couldn't ever be present, right? Like if somebody was working full-time remotely, that would have just been like a non-starter. I don't know. Maybe that's not the case anymore. Maybe if you find somebody that's super talented and they can't be physically present, but they do really good work and you can still keep in touch through technology, maybe that still works. I don't know. It has been really fascinating from that perspective. I don't think our culture has suffered. I think in some ways, people have rallied around each other a little bit more because we've been kind of forced to, through this, to stick together and to be a really good team.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. If businesses do decide to go the work from home route from here on out, that might mean that they can actually alleviate financial stress by downsizing their office. Well, this whole pandemic has allowed me to realize too that everything is just systemic. One thing affects another. Okay, so let's just say more companies decide to um, have their employees work from home. They downsize their office which is possibly a plus for them and their budgeting. But then what happens to the landlords who might struggle to rent out their bigger spaces? Does that mean that they have to sell their buildings or figure out different innovative ideas to lease it so that they can still make their income? One thing always leads to a next, whether it's good or bad.
1: Oh, 100%. It's all connected. But that's that's a really interesting point because I've already spoken to... At least three business owners that have decided, you know what, I don't think we need an office anymore. And they just gave up their lease, sent a moving company to grab all of their stuff, put it in storage. And now their companies are just permanently working remotely. That's just their new normal. And that's how it will be even when everyone is allowed to go back to work.
0: To me, there are certain meetings that needs to be done face to
1: face. What they're doing is just having once a week, they're going to be renting a co-working space, and just like a boardroom. And once a week, everybody has to show up and that's it. Rather than paying like a full lease every month, they're just going to be renting a room once a week and having team meetings once a week. And then aside from that, video conferencing as needed.
0: That's smart. But then what happens to the landlord of that building?
1: So that's an interesting one because there's two ways of looking at this. On one hand, the landlord can be a sympathetic character when you think, Oh, okay. What if everybody shuts down and they leave these spaces? Now the landlord perhaps can't find somebody to come in and fill that space and they still have to pay their mortgage. What's going to happen to those people? And that will definitely exist out there. And that is a tough scenario. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I spoke with one business owner who has quite an expensive lease to the tune of like $15,000 a month for their business in downtown Toronto. And their landlord was completely unwilling to offer any type of deferred payments or work out a payment plan or just like generally play ball with them a little bit, I don't know, just to ease that cost a little bit when their business was just shut down. I don't understand that one either because if you're that landlord and you're like, all right, you can't pay your rent, get out. Okay, get out. Now, who's coming in? Is there anyone right now really looking for a commercial lease? Is there anybody out there that's like, oh, I got to open up this fill in the blank right now? I don't think so. Somebody's moving into a commercial space in the midst of a pandemic when people are self-isolating. That's not happening. So there's like two edges to that sword. There's the landlord that is being super negatively affected by tenants that are unable to pay and therefore they're kind of stuck. And then on the other end, you have landlords that are really trying to play hardball in not supporting their tenants at all. And because of that, it's creating a tough situation for both parties.
0: It's all just so fascinating, eh, Tom?
1: It is. The thing is, I guess, like if you could have looked into a crystal ball, I don't know, even in January, it was just crazy because it was happening in China at that time. Yeah, you kind of knew. But like, really, did you think that?
0: No, nobody in the Western world thought that it would take this kind of toll on the economy.
1: So what was the moment for you where you were just like, whoa, it's getting real?
0: It honestly took me a while to actually understand the gravity of the situation. And it was mid-March and I hate to admit it, but I was one of those people who got smacked in the face with reality when the NBA decided to to shut down.
1: I think it was Tuesday the 10th, actually. And I was actually just, I have a friend that's a reporter and I was messaging him just saying like, what do you make of all of this COVID-19 business? Like, is are people overreacting or is this bad? And he was like, whoa no, it's bad. He was like, you, you need to like stock up and get food to last a couple of weeks, be prepared to just lock down. At that time, he said, be prepared to lock down for a couple of weeks. And even then I was just in my mind, like, what?
0: My parents in January, and you know this, remember when they visited with like tubs of sanitizer and tons of face masks, like, guys, what's going on here? Like, it's going to hit us. You need to be prepared. I'm like, what? No. And this is January. I'm like, no, you're just being paranoid. Like, let's stop overreacting and just, I hope there's a return policy on these things because I'm not keeping them. I kept them. (laughs) I just remember thinking, there's absolutely no way that it's going to hit us because we've been through the Y2K scare. We've been through the SARS scare. And on both occasions, we were warned kind of on the same scope, and nothing really happened in terms of us being personally affected overnight. On this scale?
1: Not on this scale. No. Logically, it ended up being like a full blown, just like what the hell was that? SARS was real for sure, but just not like this. Did
0: you see the documentary that just came out on Netflix? They shot it, I think it was last year. They had Bill Gates um, and some other people speak to the pandemic that they, at the time when they sat down for the interview, which I said was like last year or the year before, they were anticipating something of this scope. So there were people who were actually had the foresight to say that like a global crisis was upon us. But when you're, again, maybe part of the hustle culture, you're just wrapped in your own bubble, you don't take any of this stuff seriously, which is now a huge learning lesson. But I know a lot of fellow freelancers, small business owners, their lives got rocked overnight. I recently came across this picture on Instagram it was, I wouldn't call it a meme, but it had a picture of a table with one leg and it had another picture of a table with four legs. And it just talked about how as a self-employed individual, you never want to have a table with one leg, meaning you never just want to have one income stream. Because if that one leg breaks, then you're fucked. But if you have, let's say, four different streams coming in, if two of those legs break, then you're still kind of standing. You're wobbling, but you're standing. I think that's a really big learning lesson in this whole thing as a small business owner, freelancer, whatever you want to call it, to really plan accordingly. Maybe not for a pandemic to happen again, um, but to ensure that you're not just heavily dependent on the government or somebody else to kind of get through the next weeks or months.
1: So, on that note, some of your contemporaries that are also content creators or freelancers, people that have done well for themselves working independently, how have you found that they've been? I guess dealing with this, are people feeling optimistic about the future? Are people worried? I'm sure it's both a little bit, but what has been kind of the tone of of some of the, the freelance people that, that you know and are friends with that have had a lot of success, but are now obviously dealing with this as all of us are?
0: It's kind of all over the place. I will say that my friends who are in production, like film and television production, are pretty worried because... When this is all said and done, who knows what the social distancing rules will look like. So when you're on film sets or TV sets, you have hundreds of people all in one space, you know, getting the job done. We don't know how long it's going to be until we can make that happen again. And so uh, my freelancer friends who are in production are pretty worried about what's going to happen there. That's the bread and butter. People in social media, I have friends who are just kind of pretty easy going about it, going day to day, optimistic that the influencer marketing industry will only grow as a result from this. And then I have friends who are really shaken up by it. Many friends who have applied for, you know, the government grants are like fine for now, but they do know that this isn't a forever game or a a solution that's going to be long term by any means. So you kind of have people who are on one end of the spectrum who are super worried and rightfully so, and then others who are maintaining a level of optimism to get them through the day. But, you know, when you are self-employed individual, you can never bank on anything. There's nothing permanent about any gig that you take on or any client that signs you. So it's part of the nature of what you take on as a freelancer, but it's so hard to navigate. No one prepared for anything of this
1: scope. So you kind of just have to go with it. And so what about for yourself? How has this affected your view or your plans of the type of work that you've been doing for a number of years and what that might look like years from now, like bigger picture?
0: Tom, I loved my life pre COVID so much. (laughs) Like, there were moments, many of them, and you know, where I just wanted to rip my hair out because I was so overwhelmed and so busy. There's this like weird sickness, I think, about me and how I operate where I like thrive on that overwhelming pressure. I mean, to have that taken away has been kind of bizarre, but I don't know. Like, I would love to continue doing everything that I'm doing in. Film, TV, and the digital space, but I have no control over that because I don't know what the landscape will look like tomorrow, let alone three months from now or a year from now. I'm just trying to stay optimistic. I mean, I'm trying to get creative to see how I can pivot wisely online, but that's hard. You know, I'm used to interviewing people face to face. Don't know if you can really do that anymore. Junket scene, that'll be interesting to see how it goes. I've been so used to interviewing talents that come into town who promote their new movies for the past, what, 10 years? I can't see studios sending out their A-list celebrities to do international press post-COVID. I really can't see that happening. So I think all of it's going to be digital. It's probably going to be Zoom
1: City from here on out. I am just thinking, like, so much has been canceled. Like, and how long will this go? Will, like, will be canceled this fall? I can't see them going about
0: it in September. Aren't they saying that, events, conferences, and concerts likely won't happen until fall 2021. That's the last I heard of it. I could be completely wrong at this point.
1: Yeah, I have heard that too. And then at the same time, I feel like it's smart for the government to say things like that because if it ends up happening earlier, then that's just a bonus and if it happens on that timeline, then at least people are mentally prepared versus if they were stringing everyone along and kind of being like, Oh, we might be able to do things in August, maybe by September. And then I was like, okay, okay. Ah, ah. So it's probably a smart communication tactic on their part.
0: Yeah. And you think of uh, like concerts, for example, tickets I bought this year, I'm pretty sure will get refunded, but you think, ah, you know, there are a lot of musicians who are touring and that's their bread and butter every year. They're not, you know, the Kanye Wests of the industry. And so with that taken away from them, what do they do now? There's a lot of, what ifs and what now going around, which is scary. But that aside, then you have people who are dealing with the loss of their loved ones overnight and they can't even have a proper funeral for them. They have maybe some kind of gathering over Zoom, but that's there's a level of inhumanity to that for me that I don't agree with, but there's no other choice. So you just think everyone has, you know, their concerns and they have their focus on wherever. But at the end of the day, it's just, the shakeup it's having on on us as a whole in terms of life and death is pretty
1: profound. You know, we get talking about how does this impact business or how does this impact careers? And that sort of undermines the human element of it, which you're right. Sometimes you just have to be like, holy shit. Like, I don't know anybody that has been personally affected yet. So it hasn't worked its way into my life quite like that. But there's definitely people, obviously, and aren't about you. I still watch the news a fair bit, and it's just like it's heavy, it's a lot.
0: I mean, it's not to say that your like my concerns about my career, or your concerns about you know your business aren't valid concerns. What I'm saying is that it's just there's the gravity of it all is really hard to really understand.
1: Yeah, and it's wild that like anytime the world has faced something of like a major challenge, just like a major major world event in the past it has never been that people can't get together. You, you've still always throughout history, for the most part, been able to get together to work towards a solution or get together to cope or to console or to feel some comfort from loved ones or friends. Or, like the weirdest thing of all about this is that the way to handle it and the solution is to remain apart. which is so weird. Because even you think like, historically when something really bad has happened maybe there's like a fundraising event or maybe there is like a concert like for SARS fest i think we we're talking about SARS earlier like okay rolling stones come to town huge concert tens of thousands of people show up and you know reinvigorate the city and there's no way that can happen
0: again i think it just uh, this whole experience forces a lot of us to get creative like we've never had to before whether it's just how do we survive today how do we keep ourselves entertained how do we I don't know, stay connected, learn how to cook for once,
1: whatever it is. Everybody's baking.
0: Everybody seems to be baking. Are you baking?
1: I mean, no, I'm not. I'm eating baking. I'm eating baked products that other people make. So I'm definitely down for all of the baking that's happening. But I have not become... A baker myself.
0: No, I I, I mean, it's not in me, so I don't want to pretend. And I don't think a pandemic is going to change that. But yeah, everyone's kind of taking to baking, which is cool to see. Maybe that'll be an industry that'll be on the up
1: and up. Well, there's a lot of amateur bakers out there now.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's another prediction. I think we're going to see a lot of online teachers, online teachings, web courses, seminars, web series.
1: You signed up for that masterclass, right? Oh
0: my God, it's so good. Yes. It's so good. I'm eating everything up and most of the classes don't pertain to me in any way, but it's so fascinating. Yeah. I think, you know, we all have something to share. We're all knowledgeable in something and the internet allows us to to kind of share those things and allows us the opportunity to become experts in what we know. So maybe on the up and up, we might see more online teachings,
1: which I'm here for it. I think that's definitely the case. And then even in more like, traditional institutions, whether it's high schools or grade schools or post-secondary institutions, they've all been forced to start um, looking at courses online, which is like, that's just smart. We should be doing that anyway. So this is kind of a smart way to pivot in that direction. So actually, that's a perfect segue. I've got one more question for you. That was sort of on the topic of optimism. So on an optimistic note, what is something that you think will come out of this that will be really, really good for the world? And good for how society operates. And maybe from a healthcare perspective, maybe from an economic perspective, whatever the case may be, but what's something that you see like, you know what, it's gonna be a lot better afterwards because of this?
0: Mm, That's a great question. I will say though, and based on my conversations with my friends and just hearing about their personal stories and people that they know and how they are all navigating this situation in isolation, I think that post COVID, We will see people, by and large, just more self-aware. I say that because it's not normal for us this day and age to be left to our own device for this amount of time, to be left with our own thoughts, which is very uncomfortable for a lot of people. And it forces you to confront and hopefully sort out a lot of shit that you've been kind of brushing to the side for a very long time. So I'm optimistic that post-COVID, we'll probably see more of us just happier with ourselves and maybe come out of this as better versions of ourselves because we've had time to work on a lot of our shit.
1: I think that that is true. Even though your inner monologue might be uncomfortable, it's forcing everybody to spend a little bit more time dealing with that, which is not necessarily a bad thing. For me, what I'm going to say is that uh, this might sound a bit funny or backwards or morbid, but I actually think it's a good thing that this is a global pandemic and not just in China or just in Europe or just in North America. It's something that everybody is dealing with and something that everybody needs to work together on because in general, the world has been quite divided over the last number of years. You've seen sort of a rise in xenophobia. There's been a lot more countries trying to not work collaboratively, and there's a variety of reasons for that. But this is one thing that is forcing everybody to work collaboratively. And then when we look bigger picture towards, let's say, um, climate change, that's another thing that will demand global participation and global action, but collaboration as well. So I feel like something like this is maybe going to be training people and the world and our general like global mentality to think more as one group that has to work together to solve some of these problems that we're going to face because. It's not a, an American problem or a Chinese problem or an Italian problem. It's all of our problems. Everybody is dealing with this problem. And even our self-interest to look out for each other and to try to be better global citizens. So I feel like in a time when we were not being as friendly to our neighbors, that maybe this is something that will have us extend an olive branch a little bit more and have, having everybody work a bit more collaboratively, which would be a great thing.
0: I love that. Honestly, I can't agree with you more there. I mean, it starts from you know figuring out what's important to you. I think that's a huge silver lining in all this is you know what's important in life. In figuring that out, then you can kind of like say, hey, let's team up to kind of uh, do some greater good here. So there's a lot of positives that we need to focus on. And uh, if we do continue to focus on them, I think we can make some monumental changes ahead. Agreed. That's a
1: great note to end on.
0: Well, Tom, I'm so glad you're staying safe, staying healthy. I'm glad we got a chance to catch up. But um, we have an interesting season ahead. We're going to probably stick to a lot of COVID-related topics because there's a lot to explore there. But let's still have some fun while we do that.
1: It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Sounds good. Okay, well, until I talk to you next, stay safe, stay inside. Let me know if you have any extra baked goods lying around.
1: I hoard them. You'll have to pry them from my cold dead grip.
0: Or just let me watch you eat them over Zoom so I can enjoy them digitally.
1: Sounds good. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.